Hey everyone, this is Arnold with Warm Welcome, a show where we welcome Asian American restaurateurs, chefs, founders, and tastemakers. Today is a first part in what is a five part series called Tableside, a deep dive into the stories from staff behind the most beloved restaurants. And for this five part series, we're partnering up with Ato Boy, Ato Mix, and their most recent merchant place called Atone. Um, as I had alluded to previously in the introduction episode, a very personal and fitting restaurant partnership for me, at least, because pre-COVID, my full-time job on top of um, producing this podcast and putting this po- podcast together was actually as a maitre d' at Atomix. And um, Atomix is actually a sister restaurant and a second restaurant by a couple, uh, a husband and wife couple, Chef JP and Elia. And their first restaurant was actually Ato Boy, which opened over four years ago now, so summer of 2016. And um, I am happy to feature an episode for with Eris. And Eris Kim is the general manager of Ato Boy. And um, I've known her for, for quite a bit now, actually. I've, I've worked for her very, very briefly when um, she was with Dynex Group, Daniel Balut's group, and I was also um, at the time I was in I was in a restaurant operations intern. So that's how we met. That's how we kept in touch. And actually, uh, she had referred me to Ato Mix, which is uh, a, a large part of the reason why I ended up working with them as well. So um, very very thankful to Eris, but also really happy again to feature her story and her insights and outlook on. Ato Boy, an industry at large, and it was nice to just catch up with her as well to see how she was doing. But um, we're going to take you back and uh, we're going to revisit the last day of service before New York went on pause. Sunday, March 15th was our last service, and um, we didn't even have like that's when so much, so little was known about the virus. We just knew that just wash your hands. We had installed hand sanitizers in the restaurant just like a couple of days before. And I was actually, I usually am off on Sunday, so I was off. And some of our staff members um, were hesitant to come into work just because the news broke down and they were, you know, rightfully so, were scared to commute and they didn't know what was going to be. So I, I don't know if you recall, but it was just Greg who ended up going home early because he was still commuting from New Jersey. And Elia and then Vivian. Vivian was free. And we just had to have hands. And that was the last service. And then we closed down for two days. So Sunday was closed. Oh no. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday were closed. And then Thursday of that week, we opened with five items on caviar. So um, yesterday night I was actually out with Elia and JP. They were talking about how for us, it was never even an option to close for any like long duration of time. We didn't even like weigh that as like one of the choices. <laughs> we we're like, well, we got to do something, right? Like, I don't know if it's like the immigrant mentality or um, just like the culture, but we're like, we didn't even, that didn't even cross our minds at all. <laughs> so the five, five menu items lasted for a few days. And then we opened with a few more. Uh, and then it slowly expanded, and then um, and then we kind of were in like I, I think the best caviar days were when we launched our family meal set. 
Um, and then there was like the busiest Friday ever where we like sold out of everything, which is great. That, that, that kind of day never came back, but because like more restaurants were setting up for delivery, we were the first ones, but the, the Manhattan people were getting more options as for what they can order in. Um, but yeah, we, we, but then we did cl- close for two weeks in preparation for like having guests in again. Like the, the between, we were going to take a little break anyways for all of the staff, or really the, just the managers who were working all the way through um, and then reopen with what we hoped would be for indoor dining, which then switched to outdoor dining only. And then we had to kind of plan for our roadside seating. So we were closed for two weeks then and then three days in March. But you know what's crazy? How uh, the fact that you guys were on caviar within a f- span of just a few days, I think is a, is kind of a you know a triumphant feat itself. Because prior to COVID, I don't think Ottawa ever did takeout or delivery, right? No, we didn't even like. We would laugh when people would ask if we'd like, oh, sunchoke dish. Like we can't deliver that, and then we're like, yeah, put put it on the menu. Yeah, we were just very smart. They said just order one container. Now we have a plethora of containers and the menu is so extensive. I look at like the menu from when we first try to open and it's like laughable, <laughs> but it was, we got these like, like, um, biodegradable containers. There's like two compartments. Let's do like rice and something savory. So it was like five items, including like a vegetarian option where it's like rice and something. And it was all around like 17 to $25 or less. Um, that's what, um, yeah, but I know when I think about it, I'm like, wow, what we were just like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> it's just always impressive how fast this team moves um, and how nimble and dynamic it is. Because I mean, even, even with the to go thing, you guys probably had like Tupper, like Tupperware, but just enough Tupperware for people that wanted leftovers and, and for, for, for them to take home with them. Right. So you probably had to buy t- new Tupperware. So many, but um, I think it's like JPNLE has all, I think it was very smart. So like, let's set something out. We are going to obviously plan for something more extensive, but in the meantime, we're not going to, and they also had a, like a, a little bit of a preface when it comes to pre- preparing for the pandemic, just because of the call, co- their colleagues and friends in Korea. And so like the severity and the duration of this potential, like, uh, impact. I think they were able to have a pretty decent grasp on. I mean, as decent as possible, though, you know, there's so much unknown. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that was really helpful. And and just to backtrack a little bit, because I think it's important to share with people that you're also my senior. Uh, we, you also went yeah. to NYU, same school. Um, yes. So I've always wanted to ask you, like, why, why restaurants for you? Like, why did you get into this line of work? It's hard for you and I, and I don't mean to keep nailing down on the immigrant mentality or the Asian American culture is that, you know, I am, um, on my, like my mom never went to college. My dad did, but it was a big deal for me to go to college and get a higher education. Um, but obviously all of the, you know, my mom's goal was for me to obtain something bigger than what seemed, you know, to be whatever it's hotels or restaurants for me to be a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer, you know, all that. 
typical uh, sayings that you hear, but um, I wanted to really follow my passion, but I didn't know what it was because for so many years of my childhood, I think it was diluted by what I thought I should or I sh- what I need to want as the firstborn, not second generation, you know, Korean American. And so I remember taking a Meyer- Myers-Briggs test junior year of high school because I was taking all these like medicals, uh, you know, medical science classes because I thought I would go into pre-med. And mind you, like I hate science so much. I remember I like leaped when I had to take my last science class ever required <laughs> in college. Um, and then a lot of it pointed to like advertising, communications, like working with a team, something creative. Um, and it really, you know, I didn't even um, think about hospitality management until I got the like pamphlets I've ordered from a bunch of um, schools. But I remember flipping through like, you know, those are, they're so enticing. I don't know. This was like back in 2004. Like you'd go through these catalogs and like, huh. And then I remember coming like hotel management, like, hmm. Uh, there was a very popular Korean drama called Hotelier in like the 90s. And it was all the rage. And, you know, it, I think, put the hotel management like degree back on the map in Korea, Korean universities. Um, and I remember thinking that. And I remember thinking back on my childhood memories of my family and what stood out most are just like my experiences when I would travel and the fact that. I mean, the thought was, you know, there are hotels and restaurants everywhere. So, you know, I could potentially live anywhere if I have, you know, this backing. So I like didn't even know what I wanted, applied for it. I applied for broadcast journalism or like communications in Syracuse or hospitality. So completely clueless. And then um, got into NYU, got into the BU, whatever, and you know, when you get the acceptance from NYU, it's kind of hard to decline. I don't think I really knew Arnold what I wanted until maybe junior year of college as to like what I wanted to concentrate because you go in and the classes are very um, general, very broad, totally. And then it touches everything like tourism and everything. And Um, I think what I liked about our program were like all the adjunct faculty and all the site visits where you get to actually, your professor has a nine to five doing potentially the things that you might be doing, or you get to see the back of the house, you get to tour the Cirque, you know, and see the kitchen. So I think that kind of opened my eyes. And then when you do the internship, and when something clicks, my, I did all of my internship requirements with the Ritz-Carlton Central Park. I remember I was a food and beverage rotational intern and um, just feeling like in the zone. Like, ah, oh, I think kind of, you know how when you do something and something clicks and you find yourself at your best self, like, I think this is what I was put on this earth to do. I mean, it's just, it, it comes... Yeah, it comes natural to you, but you also, it comes natural to you, so you feel good, and things are seemingly easier. Other people notice, um, and I think it was when I was working at the Star Lounge, which is like the, where they serve the afternoon tea, and there's like this old bar, just like interacting with the guests and being like live, quote unquote, um, 
you know, when the curtains go up, like I really enjoy that. And it's like, huh, I think this is what I think I'm going to do. And then within that kind of, but it's a lengthy story, but yeah, I didn't know. I, I mean, you still don't know, right? I know that's like maybe an upcoming question, but, but I remember feeling really like, I think this is what I'm meant to do. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was lucky. Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm, I'm glad you experienced the Ritz Carlton too, because I, I interned there too. <laughs> it's so funny. We, I feel oh, like we have did? very, that's so like, funny. It's like we have very similar experiences that we both. The Central Park one? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, oh, it was, yeah. it was for like a summer. It was the same thing, like FMB rotational intern just for a summer. You know, what's so funny is because of the New York City hotel, like unions, I walk by and it's the same doorman still there. <laughs> yeah, these union guys. Oh my god! I mean, that's another podcast. But um, <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Totally. That being said, we touched a little bit on uh, bringing it back up to speed. We touched a little bit about the last day of service at Atuboy before New York had to go on pause. Now it's August. Oh my gosh, twenty fourth. It's almost September. <laughs> it's almost so. I mean, it's like six months. You know, six months and since that time. Tell me a little bit about how it's been for you, like personally and professionally, you know, the, the last six months, like the progression. At first, I felt a bit helpless uh, just because I didn't know what my role, like what was needed of my role and what was needed at the restaurant. And then slowly it moved on to, um, you know, I think working at restaurants, it's a very fast paced environment with a lot of things out of your control. So you're kind of used to being you don't have a choice but to be adaptive. Um, and so I think that kind of trained me to take things as they come. Uh, a lot of uh, people are, you know, uncomfortable with change. and um, But I'm so used to that because that's part of our job. Um, so I never had, you know, I uh, like, you know, I love, I love libations. I love wine, but, I didn't really drink much. I found myself just focusing on what's at hand. And I, I, I think I endured quarantine in the best way possible. <laughs> Very positive. Like I cooked a lot. Um, but there were obviously different types of stress that's imposed on you mentally, emotionally. But um, my hours are drastically shorter, like all of ours, right? Uh, even Elias and JPs for sure. Although for them, work never stops. <laughs> and so I was spending more time uh, with my dog, uh, kind of nesting a bit more like everyone is, like improving the, the apartment, just that the a place that I neglect before where I would just wake up, go to work, come to, come home, go to sleep, had become kind of my habitat. Um, so focusing more on that. but. Um, yeah, it's been like when guests come in and ask, how are you guys doing? How are you? So, you know, I think it's, I'm doing as as good as I can. Um, I think I'm very fortunate. I know a uh, lot of, you know, even management, uh, there was no security blanket, you know, with this pandemic, with restaurants closing. So I'm always grateful to have always had a job. Um and that's something kind of whenever I feel a little bit of quarantine fatigue or whatever the terminology is, I just try to focus on like gratitude. Um, and that kind of motivates me and gives me hope when, you know, 
I can't lie. Of course, there are obviously feelings of despair just because it's just you can't escape it. But just trying to focus on the positive and kind of squeeze most out of that (laughs) so that my capacity for like negative things is limited. (laughs) I mean, that that's, that's, I always admire like the way you think and the way you tackle things, you know? And I think like if you're in this industry, you just have to be like overly optimistic, (laughs) you know, because things always can go wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But can you share a little, so with that in mind, um, Boy is open for outdoor dining now, as you had mentioned, what are some of those challenges as well? Cause I know you, you do reservations now for, for the outdoor space, but what if it rains and, and tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I have all these apps on my phone that checks the weather though. I, it fails on me every time. So weather certainly is an issue. We also have, um, it's unfortunate because some of the guests will book tables and cancel last minute. Or like they have a history of multiple cancellations since the outdoor opened. And, and so, which is unfortunate when you were, you know, that five top is essentially like almost 20% of your whole total cover count as compared to, yeah, cover count as like, you know, or cover count or sales. Um, whereas that was like so dismal before COVID. So like those really like ache me. We're confirming and reconfirming. We're emailing everyone with guest expectations as for what we're doing, what we expect our guests to do when they're dining. Um, But it's also physically draining. All of our team, we're getting stronger every day, lifting all of our (laughs) heavy furniture in and out. Yeah, I think the first weekend was very hard for all of us. Um, But now we have this routine. But yeah, I was struggling to pick up two chairs. Now I can do like four chairs. And yeah, Vivian is like lifting, have bigger partitions now. So um, the running joke between Greg and Michael Namayishi was that, you know what? Maybe in November we open a moving company <laughs> under our name because we're so used to moving furniture. But um, it's definitely a struggle. Um, I think it's just the whole pandemic obviously strikes and it's unfair and it's unjust and it's out of our control, but, you know, we have five tables and we've talked to our neighbors and put up two sidewalk tables. So that's seven tables. Normally we would have six bar seats and, um, 18 tables. So, um, it's, we're barely not even like at halfway point of how many tables and only two tables can fit parties of three or larger. So like, say, if you have a 7.30 reservation for four people one day and you decided to cancel at 6 p.m. that evening and we had declined all these other guests that were open to join, like, that's kind of our chance is gone forever. Um, and then, you know, we would, we laugh because we'll say we're fully booked, we're at 32 covers, but by, back before COVID, that meant, like, we're fully booked, we're at 140, you know? <laughs> so our... our yeah, our daily average cover count was 120. Like weekends will go to like 137. Now our daily average cover count is like 28. <laughs> and it's like, you can only imagine just like, which is why, uh, you know, I think I'm in a different position just because I'm an employee, but also have to kind of think like an employer as a manager. And it's inevitable. Like think about the rent that hasn't changed. Think about the cost of just overall expenses that haven't changed and think about the revenue we're doing average 120 to 28 
um, like there is obviously a very clear disconnect. Um, so it's so that those are moments where like that two top really counts, right? Or that takeout order of $40 really counts. Uh, that one more Brooklyn delivery order really counts. I think just the realities of how everything seems to be against us recovering is saddening. But, you know, it's at the same time, we obviously need to be conscious of like the public health. And so it just like snowballs into everything. <laughs> you know, there's just no end in sight. We're not getting any help or aid from city, state, federal. Um, you know, and it, it's... And it feels like we're very forgotten in many ways. Uh, so it, it's tough. But what is your personal outlook on this industry and maybe even your career? Like, what, what do you think? I know it's hard to really make any decisions or, or, but I'm just curious. You know, I think restaurant people and people who make restaurants are one of the strongest people I know. Um, you very much know being in the industry, uh, it's a passion-driven career field where you are making a lot less compared to your peers in other industries because it is what you love. Uh, so there's like obviously a definitely big perk on it where you chose to do this for less money because this is what, this is your passion and you don't mind. Like that doesn't even come across as an issue for you. Um, so we're, I think, already used to challenges and difficulties Obviously, none like this has not happened before. And it is really sad to walk around or hear about restaurants that's been open for decades coming to a close and um, people leaving New York City, people leaving, you know, some people are like, maybe I should choose a different career. You know, that working from home sounds so enticing, right? Um, and and it's rough, rightfully so. It's kind of filtering out um, a lot of the people and putting them in a different direction. For me, you know, there has never been any other option for me. I'm just focused on, it's so hard to look far out <laughs> right now. Um, so I just, I focus on today. I focus on this podcast. <laughs> I focus on tonight's service and tomorrow. <laughs> and then eventually like broader scope, I will focus on the future, but what we've learned from the past six months is that you never want to plan and have that plan be so secured because of the rug can be pulled under you at any moment. Um, but I'm focused on the industry definitely needs help. So that's without a doubt, like there needs to be something that happens federal on a federal level um, that gives relief to all these restaurants if they want these restaurant communities to be a part of the economy, part of everyone's you know neighborhoods and culture it's kind of our livelihood like new york city is like i for me it's like the restaurant mecca right <laughs> so it's crazy that like they're stripping that away from the city that's built on it when you think about i was talking to jp last night and the roar or independent restaurants shared the from the egg to an omelet video where restaurant industry it seems simple but think about all like the supply chain uh like think about the vendors, think about the winemakers, think about the farmers. Um, it just hits various aspects. So I'm I'm folk, I'm I'm really hoping that something happens on a more um, like a bigger scale for help. Uh, as for personally, for me, 
I'm just focused on maximizing uh, as best as we can with the outdoor dining and uh, whatever we have at hand. And then solely focusing on coming back from the deep, deep cold that is COVID-19 and staying positive amidst all of this. It's been very hard. A lot of, a lot of our team has left involuntarily just because of the pandemic and the high cost of living in New York and the lack of jobs. A lot of our, some of our guests ask like, Hey, how do you feel about going outdoor dining? Like, how do you feel operating outdoor dining? I'm not extremely like against it. I think you definitely have to be cautious, but I think what a lot of people don't know, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, speaking to all the other team members uh, later this afternoon, um, People want to work. <laughs> they no one, no one that we have is being forced to be put on our payroll. We have more staff that want to work. There are they feel safe. They've been getting tested numerous times. It just I think the deterioration like in mind when you are unemployed, like it's really I think unhealthy. Um and and so I think that's what people think we are like for maybe it's just auto boy and auto mix. We're not everyone is happy to be at work. <laughs> mm. Um and they want they want to work, they want more work. I just I cannot give them enough work. Um so I think that's kind of a few of the articles that shed light to the fact that we are there. Of course, it's it's hard. It's hot. We have to have gloves on. We have to have masks on. We're spending so much uh, with our vendor because of the ex- like need for PPE, like the bags and the gloves and the cleaning supplies. Not gonna lie, but we we want we like it's it's hard because um, we want to we want to stay open. We want to work. I want to be able to call all of my staff back, but. I can't if we can't even barely get, you know, seven tables <laughs> or, and, and some people don't show up for their reservation. <laughs> Seriously though. Like, I mean, no shows during the time of, you know, during these times, like it's just, it's so, I mean, already it was very disrespectful before all of this, but especially now when we, when you guys have like six, Six to eight, like that's, are you serious? You know, like it just, I wish people, and that's why, and that's why I'm happy you're sharing this because people need to hear this as well on the other side. We have one guest that's canceled on us six times and it's always prime time for it. It's like, I'm so close to emailing our resi account manager saying like, hi, like, do you condone this type of behavior in this very harsh times in the restaurant? But then we also have great guests, you know. So uh, yeah, not to not to negate the positive effects, but we just want to, you know. I before I let you go, I I just wanted to touch on this because I think it's important to share. Because to be honest, you know, I've I've definitely been around places and doing outdoor dining because I'm just curious to see how places are handling it. But I have to be honest with you, I still think that Ottawa is handling it the best, and I would love for you to spend a little bit of time on what you guys do because the setup is ridiculous. Like from the partitions to the tarp around to the plastic bags for the masks to the kind of dim sum style, like menu sheets that you fill out to the QR. Can you, yeah. Could you just a little touch on those? Cause I, I, I just think it's so thoughtful and I think it's, you know, the devil is in the detail. So. 
Thank you. I mean, I do, I go out too, just to see like the setup uh, and like how other people are handling it. I think we are moderate to strict. Um, obviously there are a lot of places that are a lot, lot, lot laughs about it. Uh, but we um, first had a big rehaul of our employment manual and we had a zoom call with everyone that is scheduled to come back where we went through all of the different sections of things that have changed from, you know, di- assessing your symptoms before you come to work, what would be expected of you when you come to work first thing when you get into the door, uh, what's, what we are providing us with PPE, what we are expecting of guests, the communication that we are sharing with the guests. So first of all, is like staff training. And I'm very fortunate because all of our staff, um, very smart, very knowledgeable, very very quote-unquote woke with what's happening in the world. Um, So I got very lucky in that respect. Uh, And for as for diners, we uh, have a QR code for the drink menu. And uh, we try to eliminate um, ordering verbal, like we try to eliminate verbal exchange at the table. So there is a checkmark menu that's on disposable paper. And one thing that I think we will incorporate that I kind of am benchmarking from one of my favorites for horsemen is that they had a little sheet uh, on the table when you arrive as for, hey, here are some things that's changed. Uh, I'd love for you to take a minute to look at this and let us know. And I think that would help because some, you know, most of our guests are very aware of what, how to behave, but some guests, you know, forget. Um, so I think, um, I think that would protect, uh, myself and my team a little bit better. And we are exchanging our gloves every time we touch a different table. Um, we do self-service for wine and any beverage. Um, we are disinfecting, we are, um, changing the sanitation water, uh, sanitization water, uh, regularly and disinfect to the restrooms, door handles, all of, all of that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of cleaning, but yeah, the, those are what we do. We don't have contactless payment, unfortunately, because it was a very costly undertaking. It just, we couldn't justify that on top of all the other uh, expenses. We have alcohol wipes uh, with our credit card when we do take the payment. And once in a while, if a guest is uncomfortable, uh, we're able to kind of have them, you know, uh, give us the inf- credit card information remotely so that they don't have to give us our card. But that hasn't been the case for the most part. Guests are very receptive. And um, yeah, we, we enforcing anyone to enter the premises uh, to have a mask on. And yeah, I think we've, we're very fortunate to have a very great set of loyal regulars that are um, cooperative um with our measures and even like first-time diners who understand what's what's going on in the world um to help us um stay healthy uh we are all getting tested uh at least once a month everyone who's working so we are keeping our team safe in that sense and um yeah just also on a personal level, I also just try to do a check-in with one-on-one with our, with our line staff. Um, just because it's a, it's, you know, it's a very fragile time for everyone. And, um, yes, we're happy to be working. Yes, we are, don't have COVID and we're glad and 
but you know, everyone is going through their version of COVID and it's certainly impacting, you know, myself included, Elia also, I'm bad, like emotionally and mentally. So just making sure that everything is okay. Not just a temperature, but you know, our internal <laughs> being as well. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time today to share a little bit about, you know, you and what your team is going through and the measures in place. I think that, um, you know, as someone who's experienced it firsthand, like it's, it, it was a, again, like one of the best experiences, uh, in this weird time, weird, strange time. So, yeah, um, I think what I, I think the, the thing that I want to kind of spread the word on is obviously restaurants need help. Uh, we need the restaurant act. Uh, we need the government to talk about the impact that's imposing. Uh, but also secondly, outdoor dining, um, is not so bad. I know, but we like, it's not so bad if you are surrounding yourself with knowledgeable people that are taking the precautionary measures, because I don't want the few articles that shun down outdoor dining to take away our like lifeline, the only very small short lifeline uh, that's been given to us uh, because we are trying, you know, to make it as safe as possible. So obviously do your research and read on what the restaurants are doing, but also um, I don't know if it's helping uh, restaurants or your friends and family who are working in restaurants. If people are kind of spreading the word that, you know, be, going outdoor dining is irresponsible. How, how can you do that? How can you put the servers at risk? Um, I understand where they're coming from, but I think it's more hurtful to restaurant operators and restaurant industry employee, employees when those words spread and people have it in their minds like, oh, I will not go outdoor dining because that is a bad reputation on my character. Um, yeah, I think that's something that I want to kind of sh- shake up the stigma on. Um, but if you are going outdoor dining, get tested regularly. <laughs> Don't come out when you're sick and show up to your reservations, right? Jeez. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I'm so happy that you said that because I, I am also reading all these headlines and, and I, you know, it's, it's easy to come up with these headlines because it's so it's, it's you'll, you'll, you'll get clicks, you'll, you'll turn a lot of heads, but what, what, and what a lot of these people that write these headlines don't realize is there's millions of people that are depending on this small window of outdoor dining. And so I am with you and I am so happy that you took the time to, say this because I think people need to hear it. And I, and I see a lot of it going on too. Right? And it's, it's like very like controversial, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. But um, truly we're all in this together and we just need everyone to lift each other up than putting people down because there's already so many things that are doing that for us. Thank you, Eris, for being on the podcast and for sharing that message at the end because, you know, I've been preaching this on the podcast I, I get that outdoor dining is a personal preference, but at the same time, it is a two-month window from right now until the end of October where it's valid, at least in New York City. And again, no no idea in terms of when indoor dining will and can return, which I also get. But that being said, and all things considered, I think um, Atoboy is one of the few restaurants. I mean, there's a lot of restaurants that are doing it well, but I can say with 100% confidence that um, we're taking the measures, the safety precautions and the protocols in place to ensure that our staff is safe, that 
diners are safe as well. So if, as Eris has alluded to earlier, if you can go with maybe a group of people and friends that you trust and know personally, then I think it could be a safe experience all around. Um, if you are interested, and I, and I highly suggest that you go if you haven't been, or if you've been but you haven't been for outdoor dining, um, reservations are available on Resi. They are open seven days a week, and uh, if that's not to your comfort level, there is takeout and delivery available via Caviar as well. So please do check out Ata Boy, support them. And um, another kind of project that we launched during the height of the pandemic is called Atone, and it's a merchant place. And we'll be diving into that next with Gina, who is a project coordinator for the group uh, for the for the restaurant. And and we'll see you next time.